Hello and welcome to From the BOLN, the Burnley podcast. I'm Simon Evans and with me is Andrew Greaves, Chris Borden and Paul Woodhouse. No Justin Conley today because he was just so distraught about that performance. He said it's probably better he doesn't go on air and record his his feelings after that uh, 4-1 defeat at home to Chelsea. We had some pretty wildly optimistic predictions in our Friday podcast ahead of this game. and uh, none of them came anywhere close to being uh, true, unless you count 4-1 as being in some way uh, <laughs> close to a 4-1 defeat. Um, it was pretty, pretty shocking, wasn't it? Um, let's get into it, digest it, work it out, see where we've gone with that. I mean, Greavesy, you're back back and fit and well. Um, well, I have to say, with the predictions, I thought you'd taken my optimism and turned it well past 11. It was up to like, 1100 weren't it I mean 4-1 I mean I thought 3-1 were bad but when I saw when I was editing Friday and heard the 4-1 Christ um I mean where to start I mean we've we've obviously had a bit of back and forth in his WhatsApp group and that second half I think it's got to be said is absolutely unacceptable on any level from any team. I mean, you could make a case for that being the worst 45 minutes of the company era. And we will, I will try and bring some optimism and positivity perhaps later in the episode. But I don't know what, you know, everybody else thinks. But on a basic level, that is players not doing their job. Simple as that, isn't it? It's unacceptable. Vincent Company will find it unacceptable when the players are locked in the video room down at the Barnfield at Gawthorpe. Hopefully they'll find it unacceptable because, you know, if you carry on like that and you don't do your job, you, you, you know, you don't deserve to play. Simple as that. We're, we're going to talk about players who are missing out and not getting a chance. There's a lot of players in that team on Saturday who I would, I'd be sitting on a bench or sitting in the stands for for, for quite a while after that second half because that, that wasn't good enough by a long shot. Woody? No, it wasn't, was it? It was... Um... It was as bad as anything this year, but without the requisite effort. It's one thing, you know, being beaten by these sides. And Chelsea is by no means, we said it about United and we can say it about Chelsea. That's a shit Chelsea side, you know, that we just gave free reign. It's it's getting quite apparent that sides don't have to come to Burnley and really find that much in, in, in by means of a way to try and beat us. They just need to be given the opportunities. And we're quite simply just gave them those opportunities and said, there you go, there's four, thanks for coming. And it was fucking awful. And it's and it's been rare to say that under under Vinny, but it was absolutely awful. You agree, Chris? Well, it's, I'm, I'm one of those. I, I think uh, the reason Ian Wohan didn't get put up before the press uh, whatsoever, and apart from when Sean was uh, was un- unwell that time, it's just he, he, his emotions sort of went. You know, it was either too high or too low. Where Sean was down the middle, I was pretty pretty raging last night. So I'm probably a bit more toned down today. But uh, it's again, you know, I thought the first half was fine. You know, I'm, I'm you know, yes, Sterling had had a, a, a couple of openings. He ain't got tight enough for Tierney. I ain't got tight enough to him. The goals, you know, the equaliser is just, just raggy, isn't it? But uh, you know, had they gone in at half time one nil up, who, who knows what might have happened? But it's they've just crumbled, completely crumbled. Second half, they you know, give away a really, really stupid penalty. I mean, what on earth? 
Vitino doing making a challenge on it. You know, a player like that who mm. can do you for pace in an instant, you know, you, you know what's going to happen. And uh, and from that moment on, I mean, it, I said, I thought they were other than the goal, and 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 the moment where uh, I think Trezor nearly gets in at the back stick from Alderbear. It was so laboured, you know. It's just. You know, this is the philosophy and this is the way, but there's, there's no sort of zip to the passing. No, the goal. no. The goalkeeper. I mean, I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to fault the goalkeeper for any of the goals. You know, blah blah blah. I'm not getting involved in that. But he, he's, he's passing is 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 in nowhere near the same league as Murich, and it's laboured. It's inaccurate. It's. Uh, it, I mean, I, you look at the the centre half pairing that we finish with. Doesn't do well in the championship for me, you know. Del Quan O'Shea, nah, not and especially not. It, it, it's so annoying. Like, like Woody said, the, the Chelsea just haven't had to do anything. You, you think you know the starting lineup? Brohan had a kick. Uh, Palmer's done next to nothing. We ended up with a goal and an assist, and you know. I, I thought Chelsea knew when to slow play down, and you know they they, they dictated it. You're know, probably from like 15, 20 minutes in. You know, once the goal had uh, the effect of the goal had died down, but uh, it's just that that was that was utterly demoralising. Like they, they, this are they're the poorest Chelsea side we've seen in in Burnley's time in the Premier League era. No There's doubt no, about that. Yeah, no check, no Drogba, no Terry, no Lampard. You know, they, they've got good players who could become very good players. But they're not there yet, and they're certainly not a team. Very, very reminiscent of that. United no, I mean for me, like after we said this about United, they've got some players, yeah. but they're not a team. Yeah. Now Chelsea, I mean Woody had it right. You know, we, they've shown up. We've given them four free passes and sent them back to London with, with three points, and probably kickstarted their season. It's the first time I think for about eighteen months that they've won two on the road, consecutive games on the road, beat Fulham obviously on on Monday night and by all accounts Marco Silva was saying you know Fulham weren't quick enough they weren't sharp enough it weren't the standard they expected you mentioned laboured I, I was watching Brighton versus Liverpool and I don't want to kind of harp on about goalkeepers I'm the same as you Chris can't fault Trafford I think he's getting better I think as a goalkeeper he's not really had a lot to do but when he's needed to cover you know places he's, he's covered it but Verbruggen for Brighton, and Brighton did get caught a couple of times, so it's not like there's this perfect goalkeeper out there. Raya, again, got caught for Arsenal a couple of times. But it's it, it's the way they do it, you know. Basically, their centre-halves go really wide, and their full-backs invert inside. Ours, we kind of end up with a line of four, which then confuses where's the ball going to, and it, everything just slows down. The whole point of that, goalkeeper playing out from the back like we used to do with with Murich is that your fullbacks invert you might drop Cullen a bit further back but then you you're basically opening up that kind of whole line whereas we're almost sat on top of Trafford for whatever reason maybe because his distribution is not so good I think Simon you put it in our WhatsApp group because I was watching the same international feed as you a couple of times the commentator was saying Burnley again wasting possession with that little 20-30 yard ball trying to get it into midfield and Chelsea just sat there going yeah thank you very much lads we'll take that there's just none of that kind of you know there's not that ability to, to yeah. hit you know last year we hit a teller this year we could hit an order bear we could hit a trezor we could hit a collie we could hit a zorori we could hit a brun larson we could hit a foster 
you know, you think about them, uh, you know, QPR, I think, was one. Coventry, the goal for Coventry against, which I think was a, a year ago yesterday, the Coventry, or maybe a year ago today, the, the Teller winner at Coventry, the long ball over the top. You know, that's the kind of thing, you know, Preston away. All of these games where the goalkeeper is pinging these long balls and really testing. I mean, Kukurea, I don't know what he's doing for the goal, then gets himself a booking. Could be a red, but it's a booking. And then we at no point then think to ourselves, hang on a minute here, he's on his wrong side because he's playing right back rather than left back. We could get at him here and we could give him a lot of problems. Not once did we get to a point where we put him under pressure and, and tempted him into a, a second yellow card tackle. You know, if anything, Bear standing in front of the free kick, picking up his own bone. Like you know what I mean? It's that... And so many times, and again, we've talked about this before, distribution yeah. from the defenders isn't good enough. You know, if you've not got Bayer, it's just not, you know, you're not hitting, you're not hitting them wings with the ball over the top from O'Shea. Or, or you know, Delco. I didn't think Delco had that bad a game. He looks a bit wooden. He's probably a bit ring rusty. O'Shea, I mean, listen, Sterling's quick. We know I wouldn't want to go up against him. The way he ghosted past O'Shea, I think, for the third goal, maybe. Um, wow. I mean, that is... Is he better than Luke McNally? We've sent McNally to Stoke. You know, why have we gone out and spent money? You know, if we have got a limited budget, and, you know, there's no signs that we had a limited budget, but if we've spent... I'm not sure he's better than Kevin Long, to be honest. He is the Kevin Long, surely. He's your cup, cup centre-half. He's your, you know... And we saw it, didn't we, against uh, against Spurs when he got sucked into to Son with a ball over the top. Uh, sucked into the ball, sorry, left Son at the back post for Son's second, I think it was, or maybe even the first goal. It's just, I, I, I just, at the minute, and, you know, again, we'll try and come on to something positive. Where's the identity? What are we, you know, it's like, I mentioned Rovers, um, inability to play out from the back. We mentioned well, let, me, let me throw this one in. Let me throw this one in, yeah? When it comes to, I- when it comes to identity, let me throw this one in, right? We just won a game at Luton Town, right? One of the reasons why we were optimistic that things might be starting to click is we'd won a game and you think the team's going to be confident. The teams had worked together at Luton in a tough game and you felt that you have something to build on there. And I was still confident on Saturday morning, you know, when I was watching JJ Watt uh, introducing Americans to uh, Benny and Hot and all the rest. And, and, and then that team sheet landed, and I don't know about everyone else, but I suspect similar feeling. All the optimism just went out of me as soon as I saw that team sheet. I thought, what is he doing? You know, I mean, there's just no need for this. All right, Bayer, that's a massive blow, losing a player like that for an injury because he is by a country mile our best central defender. Um, you know, we've got this worrying situation again where Ekdal's stock is rising every day because he's not in the team. This seems, you know, that's a sign of a team that's struggling whenever anyone's out, out of a team for three or four games like Foster was. They suddenly become superstars. But I'm looking at the team and thinking, all right, you've lost one of your best players through injury. Why mix it up everywhere else? Why? There's an international break coming, so there's absolutely no reason for, for resting people for physical reasons, really, um, unless there's an injury, yeah? But I'm just looking at why, 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 what on earth made you think that Vitinho, who you didn't trust to defend right back in the championship, is going to be the man to nullify Raheem Sterling? You know, he's, the two wingers he's brought in, 
and we can, you know, and it's not picking on individuals because you could, you could, as Greaves has just said, really, you look at the whole team and the whole problems. But, you know, the two wingers he's brought in, if he was going to bring in a winger for Kolyosho, and we'd spoken about maybe it's time to give Kolyosho, you know, a little, not a break for physical reasons, but just, just you know, let him come out of the side for a little bit. Brune Larson's been knocking on the door with his substitute appearances. Obviously, the goal at Luton was a big part of that. He's been knocking on the door, but he doesn't get the call up. Zaruri's been knocking on the door, we we hope, and we think, you know, on the basis of a, of his performance at Salford and just in what he's done at the club in the past, he's not even on the bench. Instead, we get Odebert and uh, Trezor, who, all right, Odebert scored a goal, but the pair of them were like miles off the level that you need for that position. I mean, Trezor was totally anonymous. Uh, Odebert showed little flashes. But it just hasn't worked. But it was just completely unnecessary to make all those changes, in my opinion. I mean, what what's going through his mind, Woody? I don't know, Sam. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, guidance from living under Pep for a while, or Mancini, or whatever it may be. But yeah, it seemed like a very it seemed like too many changes that weren't necessarily all required. And then you could argue that maybe he was a little bit unlucky with who he had to take off, who he had to bring off, which exacerbated those changes. You know, obviously, Dakiel having to come off at half-time, you know, for whatever reason, etc. then still bringing Bettino off, you know, doesn't exactly speak well for those changes, does it? And like you're saying, you know, up front, yeah, apart from Odebert's goal, we saw absolutely nothing. There were a couple of flashes in the first half from Trezor, and then it was that second-half thing again where, it just all went extremely flat and passive and mm, we've got to make some changes by which time we three one day, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't work it out and it just looked worse as the game went on as a decision. So I don't know what's going through his head, you know, other than he's an inveterate tinkerer. I don't know. He is a tinkerer, isn't he? He is. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, you know, start jumping on, you know, some anti-company thing because, you know, he, what he's achieved last season was was absolutely fantastic and he's got so much credit in the bank. But you really look at it and think, like, it'd be one thing if we'd come up and we're playing the company way and we're playing that nice football and we're just a little bit, as this word keeps getting used over and over again, a little bit naive and we get caught out and we lose 2-1 to Chelsea when we were on top and, and it's kind of game we would have won in the championship. It's not. We weren't even competing. I mean... I don't see this good football either. I'm not. Nothing seems to be working in that game, Chris. No, by the by, by the goal, which is fabulously well worked. You know, so Trezor sort of laid it off. Vettini was taken in at full pelt, and Foster's weaved his way through, and you know, they've uh, he's, he's put it through Kukurea's legs for into the corner. But uh, I think that was the only shot on target in the first half. So it's almost you know they they sort of they 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 ripped through Chelsea and then. Yeah, well, you know, let's whether that's a you know purposeful thing. Let's hold on to this, you know, because it, it as the, as the half sort of grew on, Chelsea just you know without having you know much in the way of you know decent opportunities, just sort of began to grind their way into the game. But uh, I say I'm 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 old school in my in my team selection. If Brun Larson, who's been showing flashes, comes on, scores a winning goal, and you think. Where's the reward? There's got to be a reward for performance. And if that if the reward for his performance is being left out and not even first change again, you know, well, 
was the incentive to do well? Because it's, I say, I keep going back to Foden at Manchester City. Like, you know, he'd score a couple of goals and get left out. And you're thinking, well, there has to be an incentive to stay in the side. To you know, a good performance, goals, you know, some some form of impact. But when you're making that and not not getting selected, I say, oh, older Bert turned out to be you know, a decent pick. Trezor needs playing into some sort of form and fitness, and I, I don't think he was as bad as as, as some people have made out. Uh, Trezor flashes of, of 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 real quality without overly impacting the game, but uh, it's. It, it, there's, there's just been too much change, and it's not. We're not saying this after. A, well, we are saying this after a, after another defeat. But we were saying this in the summer. It's too many changes to a squad that we thought had a decent chance of doing well in the top flight. You know, failure to turn. You know, Teller, Howard, Bellis, Matson into permanent signings, chasing O'Shea, like Crazy said. But you know, there was. McNally's already on the books, you know, signing wingers for fun and, you know, maybe not signing the right, you know, Townsend would have been a a perfect fit for this, you know, young, naive side. You know, he could have maybe bought some of these lads a bit of time. It's just none of it makes sense at the moment. I'm I'm, I'm back to being extremely downhearted about it all. Greavesy, your role here is to to cheer us up with uh, points of positivity. (laughs) You've got a task on your hands today. Yeah, self-appointed director of optimism, yeah. Um, I I agree with Chris. I don't think Trezor was quite as bad. I was actually quite impressed. He he put a lot of work in defensively. There were a couple of times when he really managed to get us out of tight situations um, when defending. I, I agree with Chris. I, I think someone like Townsend, it's it's you're buying that time, you're buying that ability to allow young lads to get experience. Because I think I've said it before. It's almost as though he's trying to give his squad, who are not very experienced at this level, you know, most of them not even experienced in this country, a crash course in experience. And he's thinking, well, actually, if you know, he'll have a big. I'm sure he will, uh, because I've got one, a big kind of piece of paper, which has all the winnable games, all the games which are kind of 50-50, you could get some, and on there, there will be a, a, you know, a United away, there'll be a, you know, Brighton away, which in his mind, he thinks, you know what, actually, we might not get three points, but that's a point. And there'll be games which he thinks, you know what, if we get out of them, it's not going to really impact our season. Now, we put out a graphic earlier that I'd, I'd knocked up this morning about our previous five Turf Moor results. Sorry. Hold, hold, on, hold on a minute. Do, do, do you really have a big giant piece not of paper? Not on my wall, but I have, I have yeah, well, it's not a giant one. I have kind of <laughs> scraps of paper with uh, with games and things like that on because I'm, I am, you know, Woody's our chief <laughs> video analyst. You've got to share that, the secrets for our season. You know, but I have, you know, I have games which I kind of, you know, Chelsea, I despite you you lot and your optimistic ways i thought we'd get a positive result but it wasn't it's not on my list of it's not on my list of um games which we'd win that's borne out when we look at the last five turf more premier league games against this five and i just wonder whether if these games are spread throughout the season so united at home comes in november city at home perhaps his first game at season you take a defeat you keep the score down spurs at home is april you know, Chelsea at home is January, you know, Saturday on in January, nice warm Saturday there, turn up. Are these five results in isolation 
something to worry about? Or is it the perception that because they're the first five home games that we're suddenly going, shit. Now, something else on match of the day, this is the first time in the last three Premier League seasons where we've won one of us first seven games. Now, I get it. The other two seasons are 50-50. One, we get relegated. One, we just about survive. But I just wonder whether we're getting a little bit carried away, and I'll come on to performances, with the sequence rather than what the individual results actually, you know, individually, these results, these five results across the whole season, if spread out, probably you wouldn't bat an eyelid. We've been beaten by Chelsea, uh, he says, looking at his little map, 4-0, 4-2, 4-0, 3-0. So they're not unusual results, are they? City, 3-0, 2-0, 2-0, 4-1, 1-0. They're not unusual results, in terms of win, lose, draw. Spurs is Spurs. We've got the best record against Spurs. Two wins and a draw in the last five against Spurs at home. But I just wonder whether, and I'm getting all kind of arty farty now. And I, I kind of think to myself, I was thinking about Sean Dyche earlier, as I often do. Um, and Sean versus Vincent <laughs> is process versus project. And we were sick of the process. We wanted a project. We were sick of that. And I just wonder whether, is this the price that we pay? And that comes not 15 minutes after I said that the second half was completely unacceptable. So I'm not talking about performance because there's lots to lots and lots we need to improve on. But I just wonder if after 38 games, we're sat here going, you know what? That Andrew Greaves is an absolute football genius and why he's not managing a top-level Premier League club, I will never know. <laughs> Have you have you got a process wall chart as well? I'd quite like to see the the the, the process. Well, you know the what's it? You know them kind of uh, mass murderer bunkers where they've got the string attaching the various people and the maps and the bloodstained letters. <laughs> yeah. and stuff. It's like that, <laughs> but it's got a picture of Ashley Barnes in the middle, <laughs> and everything comes off Barnes. <laughs> you've, you've been what? You've been watching yes. Manifest, yes, haven't that's you? That's it. That's it. You know what it reminds me of? It, re- it reminds me a bit of. And, and I've, I think I've mentioned this before, when Norwich came up, um, and it was 2019 and Norwich came up, and I covered their first game at Anfield of the season. And they came and they played brilliant football in the championship, and I think they'd, they'd won, won by a comfortable margin. Impressed a lot of people. Came up, uh, playing it around at the back, uh, got caught out early on, lost 4-1 at Liverpool. I decided to have just have a quick glance at what their season was like early on. Because they finished that season with 20-odd points, one of the lowest uh, records, right? So they lost 4-1 to Liverpool in the first game. The first home game was against Newcastle United. They beat them 3-1. The, the, the next home game was at home to Chelsea. Tough start. Liverpool and Chelsea, two of your first three games. They lost that game 3-2, right? And it was 2-2 in the 68th minute. Then they lost at West Ham. They beat Manchester City at home 3-2. Then they lost to Sean Dyche's Burnley 2-0. Went on a bit of a bad run then. They lost at home to Aston Villa 5-1, which is a similar sort of result. And then they drew 0-0 at Bournemouth. Um, they won away at Everton in the first uh, 10 games as well. So they didn't they didn't have such a bad start. The problem they had was right at the end of the season. But they, they do remind me of that team. And, and that's a team that, like I say, beat Manchester City in its second game and, and nearly got a draw with Chelsea. So what, a, bit of, you know, a bit of Premier League experience, you know, they did a Pookie and the Grant Hanley and people like that, and uh, it's the pressure you put on now. The the pressure on that Luton game last Tuesday was ridiculous, and it you know I'm not having these free yeah. hits. It, it's 
there's so much pressure on against Palace now. Pressure on against Brentford. Pressure on against Bournemouth. There is no margin for error. You know, you've got to be. Like I say the first 10 games of these seasons in the past, we usually picked up three or four draws maybe. You know, we grind our way to, you know, we bore someone to tears and get a nil-nil. You know, something like that. By staying in games. Yesterday, we, again, we haven't stayed in the game. The game, how many people? I'd never criticise anyone who's paid the money leaving, but how many people left when the third goal went in? Yesterday, they're streaming out, and the mm. few of them are tired already. You know, they've seen this before. You know, they don't want to see much more of it. You know, they, it's they, at, at least give these give these teams. I mean, United time, we we still wouldn't have scored if we're playing, but at least you were in the game. Till the final whistle, but uh, it's so. That, here's my question for you. Here's my question for you, Woody, and it it's kind of not been said, but it's been part of a few of the critiques there of that second half. But I I I raised the phrase yesterday, team spirit. Um, other people have said mentality. We do seem to be, to me, a bit of a soft touch. Um, we concede a goal and fall to pieces. It feels like. Is there, is there a problem? Have, have, have they lost belief, do you think? What do, what do you feel about that side of it? It's a difficult one, isn't it, that you can you can try and pick up on body language, etc., but you've got to kind of see a bit of a pattern emerging, haven't you? And it, it kind of does seem that after that first one goes in, yes, there's a, a, a brief flash of a reaction, and then once we get down to maybe conceding two, then that's it. And heads seem to have gone yesterday. You know, it's, I I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little bit loath to say, yeah, things, but it's gone, et cetera, because the next thing you start accusing folks of is, is lost the dressing room, et cetera, et cetera. And it suddenly starts getting a bit silly, doesn't it? But um, I think we'll see. I think we could see that definitely over the next couple of weeks or so. If it is, if it is a pattern and it's something that's going to develop, I think we're going to see it fairly shortly. I think in terms of the mentality, definitely, I think. And I think some of that comes from the fact that last year, those players who were here last year had never had to confront the, you know, never had to confront adversity, had they? If you think about it, Sheffield United, yet yeah. Then good all of a sudden, the pressure really is point. ramped up because we've got Rovers at home. Last game before the World Cup, straight after that, you know, the, the defeat against Watford, we were still finding his feet and, you know, arguably came out and picked up some decent results, you know, albeit too many draws in the first pass. And then the defeat at the end of the season, QPR, I think it was, yeah, it was QPR. It, it then almost becomes a bit like, well, you know, perhaps we've, we've relaxed because we've, you know, we're going to win the championship and we want to win it at Ewood. So conveniently getting beat by... QPR kind of allows us to to kind of do that. So I, I do think part of it is, you know, and we keep talking about experience and naivety. They're just naive because they don't know how to react to adversity. You know, we're not used to this. We were never used to going, you know, apart from Sunderland away, um, you know, going behind or or anything like that. And I think that from a from a point of view is is part of the issue. Um I mean, Chris, you've you've seen enough Burnley sides and, and, you know, obviously been there and spoken to, to managers and things. Sean's reaction to all this was just kind of getting back to basics. When, if you think about that Everton game, everyone you spoke to after that Everton Boxing Day game, it was, well, we had a meeting and we just got back to basics and things like that. 
that's kind of the thing, I guess, v, Vincent needs to do with, with this squad, because at the minute we're not getting the basics right, are we? They're not, no, but I, I'd, I'd sort of say, I mean, in terms of mentality, I mean, I, 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 I look at occasions like, you know, you, you're losing it on to, to Reading and they're, you know, killing the game and, you, you know, you, you, you come back to win that. Uh, you're losing in injury time against Rotherham and you come back and you win that. And to come back from that hiding at Sheffield United the way they did and, I, I, you know, I think that's it. that team had enough mm. adversity and came through it magnificently, I'd say, last season. And even this, you know, Tuesday night, you know, we're talking about the pressure piled on these games. Everyone's heart sank, you know, when the Luton equaliser goes in. And to then respond in that manner within, you know, within 60 seconds, I, I think that says a great deal. It's it's disheartening. You know, like I said, we're seeing a pattern against big hitters who have got these elite players, maybe not elite teams just yet. You know, that you're, you're like... You're giving your all and it's not quite happening and these players are just turning a moment of magic, bang, you're down, bang, it's two. And it's that that must be it's hard for anyone playing the game of football when that happens. When you it's almost like, what's the point? My 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 best isn't good enough as it stands. And then you start you know, the third the third goal, again it's you know, into uh Aaron Ramsey's you know, he, he, you know, as it as it as at Newcastle, loses possession. Berger, you know, misses out in a challenge, yeah. which you know that could happen. He's, he's he's gone into it, blah blah blah. You know, it's it's three one, and you know it could have been four and five after that. But I I, I think there's enough mental, you know, mentally mental toughness in this team. It's just it's disheartening. I think we're all disheartened. But uh, it's uh, yeah, where we go from now. I don't talking about going back to basics. I'm I'm one of these who sort of like you know you look at. Joe, you know the the heart heat and late, late, you know, latterly Pope debate. I think Joe Hart didn't do a fat lot wrong in that in that first half of the season when he was in the side. You know, twenty eighteen, nineteen. He, uh, I mean, at Crystal Palace, it would have been a cricket score, but for him, but something just wasn't quite right. And and Sean put Tom Heaton back in. They go eight games unbeaten, and that eight game unbeaten run effectively secured safety. Whether that. It's worth one of those. Let's have a look at Murich just to see how how it goes. That's mm. for the manager. <laughs> That's why he earns his money. It is. I mean, what we've got coming up is an international break where he can really, you know, get get to work on on a lot of things. And then we've got Brentford away on the twenty first, and then Bournemouth, and then uh, Palace at home. Those are the three games that we've been saying we're not making any big sweeping predictions about this season or, or definitive viewpoints until Bonfire Night after those three games. But uh, let's throw this one out there as a the last one. I mean, he's got this international break now. Um, the bit of me that remains slightly optimistic is our away games in those sort of games, Forest and Luton, have been where we have been a bit more scrappy away from home where we don't seem to feel the need to to try and uh, play our way of football, but we we, we battle and scrap and, and play a bit more uh, in a more realistic fashion in some respects, less open anyway. What what would what would you be looking to do if you were if you were company this uh, next uh, week and a half and you're working on the training ground? What what are you prioritising ahead of those three games, which really are becoming like three very crucial games? Because if they go badly, we we really are in deep trouble, aren't we? 
what what are you looking at, Woody? Is your priority in terms of what needs fixing? I mean, it's it's those individual mistakes, isn't it, that we've seen throughout the season so far. There's always something that's going slightly awry. I'd like to make sure that he's got his uh, his preferred back four, whatever they may be, um, and seeing people, you know, come for the ball a little bit better. Um, yeah. I don't know what I'd necessarily like to see. I'd like to see us get back to, you know, playing that front foot football that we relatively, you know, use for that. And I think I think we'll get I think we'll get there. We'll get there something like Greasy. What you what you you're in you're in your tracksuit on Gorthorpe next week. What you what you uh, what's your main messages? I, I think it's taking more care with the football. I think it's ball retention at the minute is just woeful. I mean I think one of the things we prided ourselves on last year was possession football, but we're conceding possession far too much. Now, part of the problem is, of course, is that both Trafford and Murich will be away for two weeks with their international side. So you can't really work on that that passing, but you get, you know, you, you bring uh, Charlie Casper in, you bring um, uh, your other lads in, and you kind of work with that back four, you know, or as much, much of that back four. And it's that kind of getting them distribution patterns right because I just think it's that us, you know, turning the ball over too quickly, you know, we're not giving ourselves a chance to push up because we're messing about with it at the back. We're not getting beyond the zone 18 yard line and all of a sudden there's a ball dinked in, don't even reach halfway and they're coming back onto us. And that's the problem. You've got to keep the ball until you at least get over the halfway line because if you don't and everything's coming back, you've got two or three opposition players already in advanced roles so you're already up against it because your midfielders who are there to kind of shield your back four if that's your Cullen your Berg uh, your Berger and your your Brownell whoever it might be they're already beyond the opposition players so when the ball comes back in they're caught in no man's land between the opposition ball holder and the attackers who are already behind you bearing down on your your defence, and we've been caught so many times, Villa, Chelsea, Spurs, all of these games where we were caught exactly like that. So, yeah, for me, it is that ball retention. It's that getting back to short passes. You know, we're so sloppy in possession. It is just ridiculous how sloppy we are in possession. Simple balls, simple balls that should always be on. You know, no pass really, you know, at the minute should be more than 10, 15 yards. Which that means if we have to go back to to basics and you know, and and looking for for easy balls, even if you get the ball back, it doesn't matter. Just keep possession, take the sting out of it. We're not taking the sting out of it. We're not getting a breather. Everything is just coming back, and some of that starts with that laboured playing out from the back. Some of it is just basic kind of you know passes inside that don't reach a centre midfielder. You know, or a you know a centre midfielder has to stretch for it or to challenge to get it. Really, really simple stuff that shouldn't be happening at Premier League level. Decision making. It's what Mick said. It's what Georgie Boyd said. Decision making. We're making rash decisions. We're making emotional decisions at the minute, especially when we go behind. Everything is. Everyone's just. Everyone's head just goes. It goes to pot. Chris, what are you working on? Oh, similar, similar in terms of possession, but it, just tempo, zip. You know, company balls based on finding space, you know, utilising space. And to do that, you've got to move the ball quicker. You know, like we did in the in, in, in the championship, you know, you moved it, you know, whether whether it was Murich picking a pass or you know, we've got to we've got to move it quicker with you know, with more purpose. 
to the passing and uh, like I said at, t- at times at times it's almost overplaying about they've also got to be not afraid if you're under pressure like yesterday you've been you're being pressed by Con- Conor Gallagher that's still going in seven minutes of injury time, pressing Charlie Taylor in the left-back position. His energy, like I spoke about last week, is phenomenal. You've, you've got to be able to play through that. You've got to move the ball quickly. And again, like once you're in behind the likes of a Conor Gallagher, happy days. You know, get the ball to the wide players quicker. Get the you know get the ball to an older bird and say go on. It got it uh, cooked air on toast yesterday. Give it him. Give it him again. Go again. Go again. Every, every time you know, fair enough if he beats you this time. Go again because the next time you beat him and he brings you down, he's off. Or you create, you know, you score or create a goal or something like that. But we've just got to be we've got to be far more zip into our play. It's too laboured. A lot to work on then for Vincent Company during the international break. One one little clue we do know what he's going to be doing during the international break is he's got a video call with JJ Watt to discuss what lessons can be learned from the NFL for Burnley's uh, set pieces, which yeah. is a, a fascinating one. It's uh, it's actually something Gareth Southgate did before the 2018 World Cup in Russia. And if you remember, England scored quite a few goals from set pieces with with blocking techniques. Um, so it's nothing new there, but it's probably worth worth a while doing. Like, just to finish on a lighter note, Woody, what did you make of JJ Watt's latest uh, media tour uh, popping up on on the Jimmy Fallon show, which is a huge talk show in America? With his, uh, well, it wasn't actually a Benny and Hot, was it? But uh, what, what did you make of it? <laughs> I didn't actually see that. Was it another fake Benny? Was it fake hot it water Benny... and fake Benny again? Was it just fireball and a little bit of cold water? Because I'm getting pissed off with this. It was about Greavesy spotted. It was a, a B and B, wasn't it? The Benedictine and Brandy. Oh, good lord! Yeah, Benny and Brandy. Like absolutely fruitly. Yeah, which apparently was a massive. I know. You used to be able to get it in England, but I've not seen it. I was searching for it. And it only looks like it's available for export. And rightly so. So it's the Americanized. It's Americanized Benny. Yeah. I may try some tonight. Yeah, I think we could all do. I think we could all do with a drink after this weekend, couldn't we? Well, that's it for this time on from the BO end. We'll be back as usual on Friday, hopefully with a special guest and hopefully with something to break things up a little bit and have a chat that doesn't involve us looking at uh, all the things that are going wrong this season. Maybe take a broader look at uh, Burnley things. There's also the small matter of a new investment in the club. Uh, reports of. Uh, of a, a large investment made, uh, which we need to find out more about, really, before we can talk about with any sort of detail. We'll try and look into that for you for next time. Until then, please do uh, follow us on social media at Behold Podcast uh, and uh, tell your friends about our uh, show and uh, give us a little rating and so on. It all makes a difference, and it is making a difference, judging by uh, the data we get, that we are reaching more and more Burnley fans. And uh, thanks very much for the feedback. And we'll speak to you again next week. All the best.